0: This is Tarot for the Wild Soul, a weekly tarot podcast about life, death, and rebirth, hosted by me, Lindsay Mack. Hey, wild souls. I hope you've had a beautiful start to your August so far. This is uh, our Q&A mini, so first of two of the month where I answer a few of your questions around the tarot, your practice, and any other questions about the path that you might have. Um, quickly, I want to share that the website, syllabus, and course information for my brand new Soul Tarot course, Tarot for What Is, is up. And it is up at tarotforwhatis.com. And you can find that just simply by plugging that address into your Google machines. (laughs) Or you can go to my uh, website, lindsaymack.com, and just click on courses and classes. And you can find your way there to it. Uh, I'm very, very proud of this course. Um, it's really, I could say a lot about it and we'll say a lot about it, but I'm just, um, I'm, I'm just very, very proud. It's been many years in the making to kind of start to cultivate the material for it. And I'm delighted to share enrollment for this course opens on Monday. That is August 12th. Um, if you'd like to receive, I have never for any offering I've ever had offered an early bird and I am for this course because Spirit told me to. And if you'd like to receive an early bird discount, uh, in complete with a payment plan for Tara for what is, I encourage you to sign up for my email challenge um, because doing so will get you linked up to the newsletter and it is a list only um, early bird discount. So uh, you can do so by uh, clicking into the show notes and signing up for that. And if you have any trouble with that, just email my team, um, the wonderful Iris who manages my email at info at And she will hook you up with that uh, list discount. Um, and that early bird lasts until uh, August 27th, which you think is a long way away, but it's actually coming up pretty quick. <laughs> so if you're interested, go for it. And for those of you who are in a tight spot, are really watching um, on a budget and you really want to be a part of Tarot for what is, you really think it would offer you medicine and insight and you want to be a part of it, I want to make it possible for you to be here. So we're very proud to offer 20 need-based scholarships for this course, Um, this round, and scholarship applications are open uh, currently until Monday August 12th. So you have from today until Monday the 12th to apply for an at need scholarship. Um, you can read all about our scholarships by going to tarotforwhatis.com and um, just clicking into the menu, going to scholarships, you can read all about it. And um, if you'd like to know a little bit about how this course came about and sort of how it began to become something that started to germinate for me. I now have a blog on my website, just a journal where I write lessons and, um, insights and stuff to just further support. And I wrote a little bit about uh, a very major health diagnosis I got in 2018 that really like completely changed the way I read tarot and the way I read tarot was pretty different to begin with and, um, really inspired, um, the how do you read tarot for anything? And I mean, anything like the most unexpected, the most unwanted, (laughs) how do you read tarot for that? Um, I wrote all about my experience. It's the first time I've ever really talked about this diagnosis, although I've alluded to it. Um, and you can read about that on my website, um, just by going and clicking on journal, uh, in the menu. So yeah. Uh, After all of that, I'm going to hop into your questions. So our first question of the day, Sam asks, Recently I've been trying to connect with my guides more and my inner knowings, but my wild but a wild ride of brain chemistry following it has shaken me enough that I have a hard time telling my intuition, telling me yes, from anxiety, telling me yes. Can intuition feel like severe contraction or is it that I've been following my anxieties? Yes. For so long, intuition just feels uncomfortable. Do you have any advice on how to make the transition a little easier? Oh my God, Sam. Um, I know that I've answered a couple of questions in the past on this podcast about like intuition versus brain chemistry, but I I chose Sam's question for a few reasons. First of all, Sam, because like I am you, we are all you, this is very common. And I really want to bring a continued perspective on this brain chemistry has everything to do with intuition. Discussion about brain chemistry is not relegated to like just a therapist. It's really important that we all begin to familiarize ourselves with the idea that we live in these bodies, these bodies. We are empowered to be autonomous with these bodies, meaning we are empowered to understand how they affect us and not feel like we're fucking crazy or not feel like, um, Intuition is like being on top of a mountain where you're completely clear and there's nothing going on except for like you and your divine channel to God, because it is a lot more, um, it's a lot more of a weaving than it is a clear thread. Most of the time for most of us, myself included. So Sam, I love this question. And one of the reasons that, um, I loved this question is because it asked if I could offer anything to make the transition easier. And I think that I can. We'll see. (laughs) Um, But I really want to applaud you, Sam, because you're doing everything right. Um, And I want to further affirm you by saying that it is actually quite normal for a deepening of intuitive connection to be followed with contraction. And I will tell you why, because we live in these bodies that basically have two radio stations going at one time. We have the radio station of the primal nervous system, which is a very, uh, kind of elementary way of saying, uh, the, the, all of the fight flight mechanisms, adrenaline, survival, um, cortisol, all of the 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 nervous system that we inherited from our ancestors who had to watch for wolves and bears, uh, all the trauma that came from our ancestors. Depending on where we hail from, if there were um, a, a sense of attack, you know, whatever it is, we all come from different um, lineages of evolution, and that is all kind of the first radio station, and that is very brain heavy. It's very much about chemistry and um, protection and hypervigilance. And that center has one prime operative. It does many things. It keeps our hearts beating. Uh, It does a lot of things that we should be very, very grateful for, but it kind of forgets itself sometimes and thinks that like it's in charge of kind of everything. And its main job is to keep us alive. So it does a great job of this when it beats our hearts and keeps our lungs working. And, um, for some of us, we need a little help even on those fronts, right? If we have, um, you know, helpers within the body to help us breathe, to help us have our heartbeat, our insulin, et cetera. Um, so that's, that's the regulation of radio station one. Now, the way that this part of the body, and again, this is so elementary, but supposed to be so that we can understand. The way that this part of the body really interfaces and scans for threats is to determine what in our life or our field is unknown to it. If something is unfamiliar, unknown, the brain automatically kind of stuffs it in the threat folder until it knows a little better. And that is really where Radio Station 2, the intuitive center, comes in because intuition for many of us is a very, very unknown space. Most of us were raised by parents who were only working in radio station one. Most of us are surrounded everything in life comes from radio station one. The media, our news, the way we communicate with each other, Instagram largely is from Radio Station One, like anything that we connect with, right? We're always scanning for threats. We're always kind of working with that survival, you know, um with that sense of, yeah, just really, um, what do we know? What do we not know? How do we stay close to what we know? That part of the brain, that part of us, that kind of radio station is much louder, way louder. It has to be because if there is like a bear, it's got to be able to really shout in our ear and help us run especially for those of us who have trauma. Um, the hypervigilant voice becomes very loud and and can really become uh, uh, very sticky. It can just be very hard to work with uh, a hypervigilant state when we're trying to kind of drop into radio station two. But radio station two is way quieter and it really is the voice of the soul. And really they have two different I don't want to say ways of speaking to us, but that they use different languaging. The intuition usually doesn't use, um, shouldn't, you shouldn't do that. Um, and it's not to say that I know everything cause I do not. I mean, there's one thing I know and it's that I don't know and <laughs> I'm really comfortable not knowing, but I can tell you that I spend a lot of time in this space and it's, it guides most of the things that I do. And, um, you know, it's, it's a good guidance system for me. And what I will say is that the intuitive center is largely unknown. And that is part of why Sam, um, when you attempted to, and probably really deepened into connecting with your guides and your intuition more, your brain went, whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa what the fuck is this? Hold on. First of all, you're doing something we don't know. This is a threat. And second of all, you're calling in something that's going to override us. Fuck you thought. And that's really where the tension starts to come in because the brain has to be in charge. It wants to be in charge. And once spirit and guidance starts to come in, woo, it starts to realize it's not in charge anymore and it can kick up a whole lot of stuff. So what you're going through is totally normal. Here's how you can make the transition a little easier. Number one, start talking to your brain directly. You're going to feel crazy. Feel crazy. That's okay. You're going to feel like oh, I'm talking to myself. Okay. Um, feel those feelings and know that they're not truth. It's okay. And it's perfectly okay. And actually quite Compassionate to speak to ourselves. I talk to my brain every single day. Every day that you go to your practice, your intuitive um, connection in some way, here are two things you can do, especially as you're sort of dipping your toe back in after the wildness of the brain chemistry. One, you can say to your guides every day, even if you don't want to go really deep yet, you can just say, Divine. Guides whom whatever word words you're using. My brain is super fucking loud, and I know that it's because it's feeling a little threatened. It doesn't know this yet. It's trying to protect me. So, spirit, I ask for support. I ask for a little bit of ease with my brain chemistry. I ask for resources. I ask to be um, held in. Um, more support so that I can walk through this threshold and have the reminders, the human reminders in my ear, in my face, that this is a safe and okay thing and that this is normal. And you know, here I am, Lindsay, on this podcast affirming you, Sam, but you need more. You deserve more. So that's one thing that you can do. Talk to your guides and actually start there. Guides are not kind of this esoteric idea of like, oh my God, I have this thing. We want to call them in to really help us. So we can do that. Even helping us to hear them better, we can do that. So start there. And the second thing is talking to your brain. Every day, saying to your brain, brain, I want to talk to you. (sighs) I know that you're feeling really scared. This is all pretty new. Um, Maybe we were at a certain place with our practice, and now we're feeling called to go a little deeper. And I know that you're afraid because for me to go deeper with my intuition means that you're going to lose a little bit of control. And I want to tell you, brain, I got it. It's totally safe and okay. We don't need to be protected in quite that way anymore. Thank you so much for keeping me safe and protected. But It's time for you to go into the back seat. You don't get to drive the car on this one. And then Sam start noticing rather than believing, responding, taking the invitation, all the things that your brain lays out to try to get you to stop. It's quite remarkable. Once you begin to notice, um, you can even make a list. Like what are your brain's top five hits? What does it start with? For me, um, my brain, I have like maybe three, four really big fears, um, like big, uh, traumatic experiences that sort of like stop me in my tracks or will take me like, Whoa, you know, remembering those fears or kind of having those fears popped into my head. And that's usually where my brain goes. Another place my brain goes is my marriage. Another place my brain goes is to, um, start believing that my friends hate me. That's like, it's none of it's the truth. though. um, it's just kind of like what it knows that it'll like take me away from my paper, so to speak for a little bit. So I'm not saying it's comfortable, Sam. It's like terrible. (laughs) It's not very comfortable, but if you understand that this is actually what it is to expand intuition, it gets a lot easier easier. This is, it shouldn't be, um, the transition can be much smoother. I believe if we start to talk to ourselves, um, and then, um, where do you feel safe, nourished, held, supported? Is there anybody that you can talk to about this? Any support that you can call upon? Can you be, um, among those who can reflect back to you the truth of this time? that's another thing that I think can make the transition easier. And then I, I really just want to state very strongly that I feel this is also my personal practice. You eat and put food and drink in your body, however the fuck you want. There is no, I think whatever you want and I am going to say that in times where we are in a process of deepening the intuitive channel and the brain starts acting up, it can be extremely helpful. And Sam, only you can know this because everybody is um, unique and individual. It can be very helpful to just check in about what you are reaching for in terms of consumption, food or drink, et cetera, and asking yourself, um, do I usually, can I, um, is this particular food or drink really supporting this or is it kind of making the chemistry a little worse and a little harder? If so, in this period of time, can I reach for nourishment and sources of hydration that really help to support the brain feeling a little quieter. Food and drink make a huge difference. And I know for myself, like there are times when like I have to be extremely, I mean, I cannot fuck around. My body is so sensitive to food and I won't say not fuck around, meaning that I can't eat sugar or this, because that's not quite what I mean, but there are just certain things in my body where I'll get very inflamed because I feel very stressed. And so, you know, I just have to think about certain things. So I want to just offer that, um, not as like a hard and fast rule, certainly because everybody's different and I won't, I don't really feel comfortable, uh, giving advice on what to eat or drink. Uh, I used to do that, but it's not something that I feel resonant with anymore. Um, really, it's about you discovering what helps to support your body. And that, like, legitimately is completely unique as your fingerprint. It's as unique as you are. Um, but food and hydration, um, I would say movement walking, getting in and out of your, like working that chemistry and that charge out of the body is very important. Talking to your brain, asking your guides for support and calling upon resourcing, help, reflection, um, with those who are actually doing this work too. So, um, intuition can feel like severe contraction. What I am suspecting is that you deepened your intuition and the contraction followed, which is quite normal. Keep going, you know, um, you have probably been following your brains. Yes. for so long, that intuition does feel uncomfortable. <laughs> um, and I can tell you, uh, you know, this is a, actually a great example. Um, I am in the midst of doing my course and I, uh, love this course. I'm proud of this course. I think it's very strong. I'm very grateful. And I've had to like lie on the floor and, um, like tuck, like the imaginary little one in me and my body, like kind of twins on both sides of me and basically say, like, acknowledge the fact that it feels too scary to continue because it's really scary to put out new courses. It's scary because, uh, we don't know how people will respond to it. What if it doesn't go well? What if, um, uh, you know, there's all kinds of questions that can come up being exposed, um, you know, all kinds of different things. And, uh, in order for me to go forward with my intuitive knowing, I have to honor the body and the brain. So It really kind of is holding all three, Um, asking and calling upon your spiritual counsel for what you need in support of this time, telling your brain it's safe and that it doesn't need to protect you and that it can get in the backseat and being like treating your body like a soft teddy bear that you're just cuddling because the body is like, everything's running through the body. So really talking to the body and saying, I've got you, you're safe. This is okay. I know this is really big and I'm going to try to support you in whatever way you need because you're helping to run all this through me so that we can expand. So it just sounds like you're in labor, Sam, in this way, and it's quite beautiful. Um, But all those things can make it a little easier. And eventually, if you stay with it, it will turn and it will get easier and you'll walk a path and you'll feel super clear and then you'll happen upon your next up-leveling, it'll be uncomfortable like this again and you'll go up higher. So it just, if you can hang out with it, it'll really help you. Uh, I hope that helps you. Sophia asks, when you pull a card that seems to predict something terrible happening, e.g. the three of swords or the tower, in response to a question about the impending future, how do you approach it? I find myself feeling really on edge and disempowered. Okay, Sophia, golden question. The tarot uh, is terrible at predicting things. So it's not to say that it can't um, uh, help us or open us to the potential potential invitations of the next cycle. But that's the key word is that when we receive a card in, uh, an area of a spread that speaks about the future, it's just that it's an invitation. It's not the rule or what will be. And tarot cards really do not speak to things as, um, you are gonna get a three of swords experience in your face um, as your next cycle. Um, It's not to say that some people don't use them like that. I just don't really think they're very effective or even accurate like that. So I'd love to offer you two ways to begin to think about how you can work with these cards in a very different way. Number one, I, I encourage you to do something quite bold. You may not like it stop asking questions about the future. You do not have to in any way, shape, or form ask any kind of question or have any kind of spread that has anything to do with the next cycle or the future. I find it very triggering. I did it. I've been reading tarot for 23 years. I've been doing it for most of my life. I recently stopped and I'm going to tell you something. It's pretty damn great. It doesn't mean anything to me anyway. Like, the future is constantly changing. It's not fixed. So if there's something that I really need to know, my guides will definitely find a way to tell me. But we don't have to know. We don't have to know what's coming. The tarot really shines when we dive into it around what is, what we're being invited to pay attention to, what we're being invited to learn, understand, how we're being invited to grow, What our teacher is right now, like who's working with us in the deck is our teacher, like um, you know, all these different questions. We can totally ask um certain questions that are based in the future. Um, and we also don't have to. So I wanna really encourage you. It's a wild, uh, it's a wild suggestion. (laughs) And I know that, but you totally don't have to read for the future at all if you don't want to. And the second thing is there I encourage you to reframe your view about bad or negative or terrible, uh, surrounding cards, because all tarot cards legitimately bring medicine that is beautiful and life changing and medicine involves something that when we take it, when we, um, in, you know, um, allow it to become a part of us, um, shifts something within the body for the better. It helps. You know, medicine is is helpful. And sometimes medicine is just bitter. It's just spikier. We don't like the taste. And so we can start to reframe some of those cards as being like, Oof, that medicine tastes pretty bitter. Um, so I encourage you to uh the second thing is to start thinking about them more in that vein because that's actually truer. Um, three of Swords is not a terrible card. Three of Swords is actually the card we're gonna talk about next week, is actually a card that rather than being a portend of betrayal or heartbreak, is actually a call to become more available, to tend to the heart, to tend to the self in moments when we get triggered and upset about something. It's not a signal that we're going to get triggered. We're triggered every goddamn day of this life. We're caught off in traffic. We're upset because someone didn't email us back. We're disappointed because somebody didn't like our photo. We're always working through disappointments. Three of swords is not a humongous, life-changing backstab from a trusted friend. It is an invitation, no matter what is contained within the sword's piercing, to understand that this, the heart gets pierced every day. We just never want to deal with it. We want to we skirt right past that shit. When somebody does something that triggers the shit out of us, the first place we want to go to is, fuck you, blah, 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 everybody. Anger is always the first thing to come up, blaming or self-blame. Instead of being like, whoa, I'm going to put All this on pause and be with the heart. And usually there is a lot of grief, a lot of grief to tend to. If we can pull the swords out of the heart, tend to the grief first, it will change the way we respond to difficult situations. Swords is about brain chemistry and communication. So, this is the work we do in this card. The tower is magnificent. We don't ever have to fear the tower. The ego might not like it, but it's really fucking sweet, actually, because it clears something out that we might not have taken care of, that we might not have noticed that like, whoa, that totally doesn't work for me. And if we're really identified with the ego, sometimes um, what happens in the tower feels harder than if we're really loose and we're kind of like, oh, damn, all right, but wow what a powerful realization that that didn't really work. Okay, cool. Um, I've been through towers that have been so intense, because I really wanted something to work, but didn't want to acknowledge that it like didn't work. (laughs) And so tower has been like, so painful in those moments, because um, we all understand that that's tower really. You know, that's, that's really all it is. Like if we're building something, building something that is on like a shaky foundation, it's going to fall. That's just what the tower is. That's okay. It's okay. You know, and if it, if you do choose to keep reading with future and you get a card like that, I encourage you. I didn't learn these interpretations from anybody. They came from me. They came from my own critical thinking and emotional intelligence. And I'm not any smarter than anyone listening to this. In fact, you're probably a lot smarter than me. (laughs) Um, You don't got to do it the way other people have told you to do it. They're just people just like you. They don't know any better. I don't know any better than you. What do you really see when you look at a card? If you begin to think about the cards as being for you, because they all are for you. It's all for us, all of it all of this life is for us, whether it's shitty or great. We're here to evolve through what we're handed, period. Everyone's handed all kinds of different things. It's not because we did anything wrong or because, you know, God is punishing us or whatever. We're just handed what we're handed. We're in a forest, um, in this life hacking through or moving through whatever we are is in our particular forest. And, that's kind of what it is. It's not really about good or bad or anything, although those things absolutely exist. Um, In the tarot, we want to take it a little bit bigger. Um, So I encourage you to look at these cards, dare I say, as allies, because they are, they're allies to you. They're here to help. They're here to teach you something. Um, The edginess and the disempowerment is completely because the brain will use those cards to be like, oh, we must be doing something wrong here. Um, Of course we want to feel fucking disempowered. Like we're doing great. We're feeling good. And all of a sudden we get the tower in a future section of a reading and we're looking at the tower as some kind of disaster. Um, It really is a mind fuck to try to pull ourselves out of that old paradigm of tarot reading. It really is quite damaging. Um, But it was created by people. It wasn't handed down by spirit. So we get to change it as people and start thinking about the truth of tarot. And the truth is that these cards um, are not predicting really anything. They are inviting us to hold, just like we might um, write a little uh, post-it note. So if I pull the tower in a reading for myself in the future, all that it's telling me is like, Oh wow. Okay. I'm going to hold a space to be really open to, um, letting anything go. That's ready to go to waking up to anything that's ready to be woken up to. I can hold a space for that. And then I let it go. I don't have to brace for the tower because I'm not afraid of it. You know? Um, if I get three of swords in a future reading, I'm actually quite grateful for that because all it is is a reminder to me that I get to hold the heart in a situation where I might want to forget about her, forget about my heart. Um, The other thing that I want to say is that um, just simply holding the space sometimes is enough. We don't have to like brace for anything because cards... The future is so funny. That's why I don't really read with it because it's not fixed. Nobody really knows what's going to happen. And sometimes when you ask about what's coming in the impending future, it means five minutes from now legit because guides are tricky, (laughs) Um, tricky in a great way, but they are time doesn't really mean anything to them. I hope this helps you Sophia, but I really want to empower you to begin thinking about these cards differently because they are different than what you may think that they are. Um, What you're speaking of is the consequence, um, the result of a very old, bullshitty paradigm of tarot that these cards mean horrible things and some cards mean great things and certain cards mean mean we're going to meet a husband. And it's all bullshit because the tarot, it's a profound mirror for the present moment and it does a horrible job at predicting the future. Horrible. I'm not saying that if we don't, if we pull cards, we might not have a sense of something very strong coming up in the next cycle of our lives. Sometimes we may even, um, be given a little bit to prepare for that. Um, but in general, we don't have to look upon it as being frightening. It can actually be really empowering. So I hope this helps you to begin thinking about it. And actually this question is a really perfect one because this is exactly, exactly what my new course is about tarot for what is and three of Swords and the tower, are even in the course. So it was a pretty perfect timing thing, pretty aligned. Um, it, it is exactly how to begin to transform our relationship with these cards, turning them basically from fear to medicine. So I hope that this helps you Sophia. Um, meant much luck to you in the continuation of your practice. Um, cause th- those are really hard moments when we see cards and we just think like, Oh, this is horrible. We're actually going to talk about three of swords next week as well. Um, but that's all I've got for you on this Q and a mini. So thank you so much for listening and I'll catch you next time. Wild souls until then take care of yourselves. Thank you so much for listening to tarot for the wild soul. This podcast was edited by Chase Voorhees. The podcast art is by Chelsea Iris Granger, and it is hosted by me, Lindsay Mack. For more about the podcast, visit wildsoulpodcast.com or follow us on Instagram at Tarot for, the wild soul. for more about me and my work, please visit lindsaymac.com. To support Tarot for the Wild Soul, please consider subscribing to the podcast on iTunes and leaving us a five-star review. It helps people find us and it is greatly, greatly appreciated. Thank you so much for being here.